I want to just take on a phrase that some people may have heard of before, which is fake it till you make it, which the problem as I, I can see you guys as we're recording this um, on Zoom, and some people might listen to the audio, you're shaking your head like, oh, it's so terrible. Nobody wants to be a fake. Nobody wants to feel like a fake to be able to get better. So I'm going to give you the just phrase, which I think is a step in the right direction. So instead of fake it till you make it, it's act it and become it. If you act the part, if you're like, all right, I may get some questions I don't know the answer to. There's some stuff, stuff I do, uh, or I've never delivered this speech or program before, or this is my not my comfort zone. I'm going to at least act the part. And, and in acting the part, you're also being audience-centered. And before you know it, you become it. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. We're back here with Jess Toddfeld and the title today is Act It and Become It empowering your leadership through business speaking. Jess is a world record holder for the most radio interviews in a 24 hour period. So he knows a thing or two about communication. And today's topic is business speaking, not public speaking, but business speaking. All those different opportunities you have to show up and impress and persuade or not based upon your preparation, your mindset, whether or not you've addressed the fears or you're limiting yourself through them. Jess is gonna talk about those opportunities we have every day to practice and grow your communication and presentation skills. He's gonna talk about some stuff that's scary, admittedly, the importance of videotaping yourself to learn and grow and practice before a particular presentation or opportunity to speak. He's gonna talk about the four levels of business speaking impact. And in the name of the title, he's going to talk about this idea of instead of fake it until you make it, act it, and so you become it. This conversation is going to be about one of our greatest fears, public speaking. By the time we're done, I'm sure that your fears will have been limited and your confidence will be raised and you'll be ready to get out there and start leading through your communication and business speaking. Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are excited to be back. Craig is excited to be back because he's freshly back from Puerto Rico. And we are here today with Jess Toddfeld, who's coming to us from New York. Uh, he is, and this is an unusual guest today. He is a Guinness World Record holder. And you're probably saying, oh, what weird thing did he do? Nothing weird <laughs> at all. In fact, it was actually practical when it comes to leadership. He holds a world record in communications category for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours on the radio. Ready for the number? 112 different radio stations in 24 hours. Now, that's a record that we're going to hear a lot more about. What was he talking about? He was talking about business speaking, not public speaking, which is our common language, but what is business speaking? And it's something every leader needs to master. Yep. Jess is the founder of Media Ambassadors, 
It's a group of experts that the media go to for interviews. He also helps leaders with speaker training, media training, and he also has something called a lead generation mastermind. And we're going to talk about all things communication, public speaking, business speaking, some media speaking, and this is all about enhancing and growing your leadership. So welcome, Jess. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to share today. Yep, good to have you back. So Jess, Guinness World Record holder, first of all, give us a little bit of your backstory. So my backstory, I'm going to start from when I was a fetus and work to the present. Yeah, right. We have enough time. You, you okay, know, maybe six years old. Most people like starting at age. <laughs> no, let's yeah, let's let's jump ahead. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a former TV producer. Hmm. Uh, I did that for 13 years on national level, ABC, NBC and Fox, mainly in news, but sometimes booking celebrities. And uh, sometimes I was actually in front of the camera during that time. Uh, it was a fun time. I said 13 years, but I always knew that I wanted to start my own business, do my own thing in some way. I spent all this time building up these TV hosts where they had amazing brands and they'd have book deals and spinoffs and the rest of it. And, you know, we're all scurrying around behind the scenes. And that was fun, but I always knew that something was next for me. So what was next was initially was a media training business. That was my first step out into the business world because it made logical sense, which is teaching people how to navigate the waters of media, meaning executives being on camera uh, or, or radio or podcasts or print or you name it. And that eventually grew and included what was at the time public speaking for business people, or sometimes it's called presentation training. My spin, as you mentioned in the intro, is business speaking when it really matters. It's not public speaking like, oh, let me get up. And... No, it's about moving business forward and what you need to do when it matters. Right. So, um, yeah, like it's, sales. Uh, it's been a fun journey. It's been a fun journey. Well, good. Well, just, I, I've got to start with this question, and particularly because folks can't see you. But as you noted, when we got on here, you've got the face of Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and I that was already in my mind for the question today, because Jerry's got the skit where he talks about the number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. <laughs> and I remember the line where he says people would rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy. And What's the deal research. with that? Yeah. Why do they say that? <laughs> Working well, up my I, best. I did a little research before we got on, and public speaking is still the number one fear. Really? Number one fear. Wow. So talk about that in the context of helping leaders in their business speaking, that fear of Yes. So, uh, so he has that, that joke, and he says people would rather be in the casket, right, than be delivering the eulogy. And I'll tell you, pu public speaking trainers and coaches – use that whole line and people laugh. So they get to use it and get a laugh. Uh, and we always kind of, I don't use it because I always think to my, I mean, it's funny, but I just don't use it in my teaching because I think to myself, we don't really want to be dead <laughs> more than we're speaking. It's a funny joke um, when he draws those, those lines. Um, but it is one of the top fears. And meanwhile, I was just camping with my son and there were snakes in the woods um, that seems to bother me more than if I had to give a speech about <laughs> snake. I've right? got a snake in my boot. 
Yeah, I don't want that. Or by my face if I'm laying down. I, it just, it, yeah. So my take is that the fear of speaking is not really a fear of speaking. It's really a fear of the unknown. Mm. And it's a fear, a mixture of fears. It's something that we don't do often. So it's a fear of how will this go? How will I be received? You know, when you talk about that oldest part of the brain or the reptilian brain, as they sometimes call it, uh, will I be banished? You know, <laughs> back, back in the old day, like if something didn't work, I'll be bad. I'll be right. I'll, I'll do such a terrible job. I, I will either lose my job or they will really see through me. And there are some really big top leaders that have not mastered this. I know because I go get to work with them and their teams <laughs> and they say, oh, we'll bring you in for the team. And they're the one person who's not even taking the training. Um, but I will give credit that some of them do take the training or take it in front of their people, which I think is a great leadership move to turn and say, hey, I'm not perfect. I can be better. Let's you know, I'll do it out in front of you. I don't care. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so, I love when I see that. But. Uh, I think there are a lot of them that say, uh, I'll talk for just a little bit off the cuff and then I'm going to just push it over to my subordinates and I'll let them talk to you because they're freaked out about it. But back mm -hmm. to your initial point, Jeff, which is I think it's uh, for everybody who's listening that one of the bigger fears, fear of the unknown, we just don't do it enough. And if we did it more, we would be just fine with it. And that's where, you know, the different kind of speaking venues like Toastmasters or just finding a, a group of things, a group of people who are interested in developing those skills can really help. Um, you know, there, Toastmasters is not going to make you great, but Toastmasters is a place to practice. And there are opportunities to practice every single day. We're on the phone every day. You could get, you get interviewed on a podcast for people who are leaders who are tuning in. Talk to your staff, talk to your team. What make you know, just do some basic research. What makes it a better talk? And you know, oh, but I'm just on the phone. Well, what makes your communication better and smarter and more efficient and help other people grow? If you're if you really care about leadership, people who tune in here all the time really do and want to get something different. We're always looking for those nuances to grow. And this is a not, I, I think, bigger than just some nuance. Because it's if we can't communicate correctly, there's going to be a breakdown. It's like that game of telephone, right? Yes. Um, and kids love playing that because by the end of you whisper in someone's ear and the next person that it's totally changed. But obviously in business, if I turn to somebody and say, I need you to do this thing, and they turn to somebody and then it's done wrong and they're missing pieces. That's that's terrible. So we, we need tools to get better and better in this area. How much do you what? think that preparation for the communication is is important versus just being, quote unquote, genuine and, and off the cuff? Well, there's uh, this uh, little system that people like to use that uh, technique that you may have heard of called winging it. <laughs> winging it is a little shaky in results. Yeah. Um, so the answer to your question is. When people real, when they spent time winging it and they've seen it like, oh, that day it worked. Uh oh, that day it was all over the place. And maybe people could see through me that it turns out it's less painful 
to prepare. And I understand we all have no time for anything, right? I have a thousand one things, but we have to connect with the pain because, uh, because we're motivated in two ways to seek pleasure or avoid pain. And the biggest one, avoid pain. So I always say, what's, you know, what would the pain be of me going out there and bumbling through and umming and eyeing as I'm trying to lead and tell people that they need to have confidence in what I'm saying? It's like, I'm going to run through it at least once or, or come up with my game plan bullet points of what I should do. And then if you do that, and the best way to practice is with a video recording device, record yourself. Good news. We have a TV studio in our pockets. Yes. Right. Sometimes I say in our pants, that's funnier. But anyway, in our pockets, <laughs> we have the TV show. Record yourself. So, th- so yes, we have no time for anything. We're all busy. We have a thousand more things. You're, you're going to fall on your face at some point if winging it is your system. So the opposite to your point, Craig, is yes, we need to practice. And it's not just writing stuff out. We got to say it out loud. Most people don't do that. You'd think that maybe they did. But everyone does the same thing. Come on, we've all done it, which is we're like, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to write down my little outline. And then the first time we're doing it is in front of people. And then when we're done, we say in our brain, oh, I should have done this. Or like this part was a little clunky or this part worked. So we need to do it at least one time before. Yeah. So, so Jess, you talked about something really vital. You talked about doing it more often. And a lot of people say, but I don't get to do it very often. And I think that's the mistake because they have opportunities. Yeah. And we talk, Craig and I talk to people about leading everywhere. And one little opportunity that is still scary is just the simple fact of when people are in meetings, having them stand up at their spot. Like that terrifies some people. And I say, that's an opportunity to learn and grow and your confidence and all of that. Just stand up and, and be that one who stands up to talk to the group as opposed to sitting in your chair. Yes. And for people who are listening right now who say, oh, that wouldn't fly in, in my organization. Say, I was listening to this really cool podcast <laughs> and they said this is the opportunity to test things out. I'm going to stand up. So your colleagues will go, uh, OK, <laughs> and that'll be the end of it. And then they'll stand up and then you'll be the leader because you said, you know what? I'm going to just practice this stuff right out in front of you. I just want to be better. And guess what? At performance review time or when people are thinking about, you know, how you are, they're like, wow, that was kind of a cool move that you just decided I'm going to stand up. And I have a good story about standing up, by the way. Um, I, I was helping a group that was taking a company public and they brought me in. Talk about business speaking being important. They're like, we're taking it public. We're talking to these banks. And if we bore them to tears, they won't give us money. So I was watching them kind of go around the room and do the little sections talking about this new business that they were pushing forward. And we were really there because one guy was really, really boring, even though the rest of them were really boring too. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm watching it and we videoed, I videotape, I bring in all the equipment. And I said, you know, well, what if we do that again? Let's have you stand up. And now the CEO who's in the corner, who's a big deal veteran CEO in the financial space, he's been there, done that for everything, 
said, I, I got to just call it right now. I've never seen that in one of these meetings. Um, that's not going to fly in these kind of meetings. Jess, you don't know what you're talking about. Everything <laughs> except for that last line. Um, but basically, that's what it felt like. And I said, um, well, I'll tell you what, indulge me for the sake of this exercise. Let's just see how Bob looks when he does that. He's like, all right. I mean, you know, we paid for you to come in here. I guess we'll go through whatever you're going to. All right, fine. So uh, we let Bob stand up. And all of a sudden, he becomes a little bit more charismatic. He's looking people in the eyes. He's got some interesting body language. You can he, move. Uh, what is that? You can move. Yeah, he's, oh, he's moving around. It's something more interesting is happening. Then he sits down when he's done with his, you know, three minute talk. And then the CEO said, it just is quiet for a second and says, so new rule, we're all going to stand up when we, when we do our thing. It was it. so much better. And by the way, I'd be fine if he had said, and this is me being comfortable in my own leadership skills, which is I'd be comfortable if he said, um, good exercise, you know, I don't want to do it. But it was for this particular group and this guy so much better. Yeah. So just uh, Craig asked you a question about preparation. And one thing I, for myself, always wonder about, because I'm wary of over-preparing. Because for me, when I feel like I've over-prepared, I get into memorization mode mm -hmm. and it gets tight. Now, I know some people who memorize and you'd never know it. But talk about, is there a way to look at preparation versus over-preparation? as when you're looking at business speaking? Yes, I would say most people underprepare. And if they even write out an outline, you don't have to write out every word, word for word. And some people like doing that, by the way, they feel more comfortable. Okay, they've, you know, they need to, do, everyone needs to do it in their own way, but at least write out an outline or what I like to say, if you think of a musician, like a set list, it's basically, here's where I'm going to go. And it's okay to peek at that. That's the right way to use notes, by the way. But uh, as far as preparation, people don't do that. They definitely don't say it out loud at least once. And I hear your, your point about over-preparing. It can happen. I would say most people under-prepare, but we do have to pay attention to our own signals. And that's a great way to notice is to videotape ourselves. So as you start to see it's not as fresh, you say, uh, you know, I've done enough of that section. What, what do I need to focus on? I mean, how long is it? I mean, you may do it one or two times and say it's, it's enough. And for me, when I practiced and I actually gave a, a speech last week that I hadn't given before. And the first time and the second time I did it, I was bumpy. I was all over the place and saying, um, or, or just kind of not knowing what I was going to say next. And the more I did it, I found little lines that worked in different sections and I did hit a point of saying, okay, this is about right. I don't need to hit that point of over-preparing. It's something to, to notice and think about. You know, Jackie Gleason, you know, the honeymooners, and I, I was somebody I, I admired as a kid, had a whole thing where he refused to rehearse. And he's the opposite, I think, of a lot of people. And the rest of the cast would say, well, we at least need to rehearse. And they would do it. And he'd show up at the last minute. And he was able to pull off knowing 97% of the lines. The other 3% were things that were surprises that showed up in the moment and did make it exciting. And his whole thing was, 
to make it exciting and have that extra element there. And I think somebody like him or a trained actor can pull it off. And the rest of us who are not trained actors need to do just some preparation and we're going to be better for it. Well, you brought up a great point. I think probably the over-preparation is something that I, as a professional speaker, can get caught up in, right? So talk about, you said people do it their own way, but what are your thoughts for business speaking on writing out word for word versus an outline of points? I think there's a certain type of person that needs to do that. I'm not one of those people. I just... I need to speak. I need to speak it first. And then and then as I watch it, I say, oh, that was a good line. (laughs) I need to do it in reverse for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I think there's and when I present these different options to the people I help, you'll see that people gravitate in different areas. And I will say at the very least an outline. In fact, I have a grid that I give students, the people, you know, the, the adults that I help. And I say. Basically, you start from the middle, which is the formula for business speaking. Get ready, everybody. You're about to get the formula is you come up with three to five messages or points or ideas that you want to make, because we can only remember whether it's, you know, five minutes or five hours, probably about three to five main ideas. You can have subsets of those. It's fine. But the, you, you come up with what those are, and then you attach three to five stories with those ideas or points. Every story has to have a point or it'd just be a winding, crazy story for no reason. Leave that to Thanksgiving when your uncle shows up. <laughs> now, when we're talking to people and they're like, why did, why did she just go into that or he go into that? So that's the middle of the speech. And just like coming up with an essay you know, we were back in school, then you do the open or the introduction, and then you do the closing or the ender. Um, But you start with the middle. And that will really, really help people to, I think once we kind of see that formula, it'll really help people be more interesting. And what most people do, by the way, is the opposite, which is they say, give me your PowerPoint. And the PowerPoint somewhere in I don't know, the early 90s, somebody came up with the idea of, you know, it must be these white pages with bullet points on it or now whoever in whatever background. And here are all the, the funky features to use and then just read to people. So so that's the opposite that's of being kill the, the room. Right. To take the energy. Oh, yeah. and, and it's funny you say that, Craig, because I open I'm going to now ruin it by telling everybody, but I open my speeches about business speaking and my trainings by saying who here is familiar with the movie the wizard of oz and basically everybody raises their hand and they say to make a point i want to share with you a scene from the wizard of oz and then i turn my back on everybody (laughs) and and i have the script on the screen and then i read the actual script and then i look back at them and they're horrified and then i click next and there's more script (laughs) and i keep reading to them and then i look back at them and now they're, they're like, what did we get ourselves into? And I say, right now, you guys are riveted. You love this. And they're like, no, <laughs> like, what is going on? And then I, I say, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm going to make it better for you. I know what you really wanted. Bullet points. And then I pull up bullet points of the Wizard of Oz. And it's still horrible, 
And then I follow it with a video of the clip. And, the, and then I ask them and, and we basically find out within 90 seconds, nobody likes being read to. Nobody likes having their somebody turn their back on them. Bullet points did not make it better. And, you know, there's a better way of doing it, which is that formula, that that system that I just shared with you with starting from the middle and telling stories. We're all natural born storytellers. Before we started this podcast, we opened up by like, hey, guys. And we were like, oh, yeah, I did this thing on the weekend and this thing. We're all natural born storytellers. We have to put it in. It's a major piece for making our points come alive. I think it's interesting. Both of you are professional speakers, members of National Speakers Association. Uh, I haven't gotten to that level, but I've done a lot of speaking and mostly more, more on the training side. So we're, we're all professional communicators in one way or another. But what I've seen is I've seen a wide variety of ways that people prepare and the ways that people present. And we've talked about a few of them, you know, write out everything word for word. I had a pastor who was a phenomenal speaker. He would do that. And he even had the trick. So I went through his speakers and leaders training. And one of the things that he, he did was, you know, as he passed by his notes, he would flip a page while he was making a, making a, um, a point with his other hand, right? So you never saw him actually looking at his notes much. He would just kind of pass by through that. But word for word, I've seen other people who just, have their notes maybe on a note card or something like that. It's just bullets. And then, of course, you have those people that that have the whole presentation and they're reading that script. But I think different people need different things. And I think the PowerPoint is a crutch for so many people. And so is there a good way to use that? Yeah, I, I, it, you're the main course. The PowerPoint <laughs> is the go. dessert. <laughs> Right. It's it's a peripheral. It has to support what it is you're saying. So if I said and you were just at your trip in Puerto Rico and let's pretend that you're you were doing a speech about that Mm -hmm. and explaining something related to something you found there. Maybe you were there and you were helping local people um, after a hurricane and um, you're telling the story. Then all of a sudden we see the pictures and the visuals. Oh, now we're really taken there. That's the best way to use it to first to see what we're talking about. If it's just a, you know, poor man's teleprompter or poor person's teleprompter, um, not great. So, a seasoning. so yeah, we, it's the seasoning. And then what I like to do is put a, a blank or black slide in between points yes. that I've made. That's great. So then I can click next. It goes black and they're paying attention to the speaker. Right me or, or, you know, or if I show this to other people and, and then I'm strategic about it, just like the pastor that you mentioned, and we should look at all types of speakers to see what do we like, Mm -hmm. what works, what doesn't work. And that's a great point The the, you know, the more we, it's like a magician, you know, if we see the trick, if we see the rabbit coming out of their sleeve and then we're kind of like, ah, there's a rabbit there. It's (laughs) interesting because he is a magician as well. Ah, so, I see? Mean, he, so he, he cut his wife in half and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he was, you know, did, did that. So I guess, you know, sleight of hand was, <laughs> didn't even think about that. I wonder if she uh, likes being cut in half. If she agrees <laughs> to it. Which oh no, you cut them. me in half. <laughs> so that's, you, you raised some really interesting points. Um, that the funny thing you mentioned about the dark slide, the black slide. Yeah. Because people are amazed when they discover 
because I, I do some of this presentation training on the side and I'll show them the button <laughs> yeah, on the, the blank. clicker that blanks it out. And I'll say, watch what happens. And someone will be up talking and I'll say, hit it. And I said, what happened? They go, oh, my, I went immediately to them. Yes. Yes. I said, you can't even not do it. You can't not focus on that right. when that happens. They're like, that was really cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can either, if we know where the button is, if, if the remote that you have has the button and you can access it without people seeing great, you want to put the black slide in great. Actually, if you use the B button, yep. B for black, you can black it out. But I like the, that the whole magician thing came up because we, there's some sleight of hand there for doing it right, where people don't really know the mechanics of what's happening, right. which when we tell stories or ask questions, these are two big ingredients for being a great speaker, leader, communicator, and we should try it out and we should be using it. So one thing I'll say on the question side is, did you ever notice when someone asks you a question, your brain goes to answer it? Yeah, absolutely. Not only did their brains go to answer it, but they actually said it out loud. <laughs> and everyone who's listening, your brain will, oh, I wonder if I do that. You can't stop yourself. Every person listening just said, hmm, I wonder if I, we can't stop ourselves. So if that's the case, talk about the power, um, but use your power uh, uh, for good and <laughs> <laughs> ask questions. Yes. So, you, so many times. And it's and obviously not. I mean, it's not obvious to everybody. The more we can engage other people, the more they're involved, the more that they feel like they're part of it. Even if you're asking questions that they that you know where they're going to answer, um, they can feel like they're coming up with the ideas and they're guiding what what's going to happen. Remember that movie uh, Inception, where oh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Yes, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, they they yeah. go into people's dreams and then they can, if they plant an idea, they can get somebody to you know do something. And it's so hard, and they have to go with a dream within a dream. Guess what? It's not that hard. <laughs> To plant an idea, you can ask questions and people are like, hey, what if we do this? So you can guide them. And I'm not, you know, sometimes I'll think, you know, I'll think about that movie and, and I'm try, trying to like, you know, pull anything over on people. Um, but I want them to arrive at the aha instead of me saying, this is an aha that you should have. <laughs> right. Talk about a bad leadership moment, right? You kind of walk them up and have them say, hey, do we think, do you think we should do this? And I'll ask people about their aha moments. Um, and then they're happy because they have ownership over it. Jeff so is, Jeff is like the question guy. And one of the things that right. you've heard of affirmations, right? Oh, I am, I am, yeah. you know, doing whatever. And Jeff turned, on, turned me on to this thing called affirmations. Why am I? so good at this or why am Ooh. i developing my skills in this and then your brain naturally goes to thinking about why you are going to be awesome at you know whatever it is that you're trying to do which is very affirmations i'm writing it down gentlemen it's using that power of just what you said jess yeah. your brain will automatically and honestly answer the question yeah. so those questions actually <laughs> take you to the things that will empower you Versus the things that might disempower you. It's pretty Ooh. cool. Yeah. And, and, and to your and, point, Jess, you got to use it for good. So if you ask the wrong right. question, 
why am I so stressed right now? <laughs> you know, right. You know, versus why am I, why am I energetic yeah, well. and, and powerful in this moment? <laughs> right. If we're asking a negative question, we're, we're brewing more negativity. Yeah. And, you know, if we're a great leader, we're trying to create something that we can pass on to others. Good point. And yeah, so if we can't even do it right, we got to figure out how to get it right, even for the, for the sake of ourselves, sure, but for the sake of others too. Uh, I think about this a lot as a parent, and I, I was talking to my 16-year-old uh, who's a Boy Scout, and I talked to him about things that I learned leadership-wise as a parent, and then he said, you know, I never thought of parenting <laughs> I get as a leadership role, oh gosh, and I yes. guess it, it is, right? You're Boy. thrown in the fire. No one gives you a manual. You could try to buy one, right? <laughs> yeah, Dr. Spock, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe you get that. It's incomplete because they grow up uh, before you know it. Yeah. And you're also, you know, you're, you're dealing with a different level, you know, in the workplace where adults, we've in, in quotes matured. Right, and right. here you have a little per person who says, like, I don't want to because I don't feel like it. And you're like, ah, right. and what do we what do we have when we were kids? You know, what, what was the, the response? Because I said so. Like, you know, you've run out of tools <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. because I said so. Um and anyone who's listening as a parent has had what I like to call your less than perfect parenting <laughs> yeah, moment. That's right. And, but we can learn from it. And I, I always think if I can tell my kids are, are older now, but if I can tell, you know, a three-year-old get convinced a three-year-old to do something, I should hopefully be able to convince an adult to do something. And adults push back. You know, we're always testing just like kids, you know, later, always testing. What can I get away with? Adults are too, right? They want to know, can, you know, like, like hmm, what if I come in a little late? You know, if you're leading a team, what if I don't do this? Well, you know, can certain stuff slide? What if I don't uh, make sure that I hand in assignments on time? Right. And if the person who's the leader doesn't really say anything, that's the new norm now. Exactly. So just like little kids. We, right. Like what Jeff talks about, it's what you tolerate. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. 
I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Welcome back. Jess, I want to ask you, you... You talked a lot about people doing it their way, and Craig, you mentioned it too, but how important it is for people to try something different? <laughs> yes. Because like you said, you you prepare, and I do it the same thing. I just start saying it. I never write anything down to start, yep. ever. Right. I just start saying it and see how it sounds. And some people say, well, I can't do that. And I'll say, well, but try it. Yeah. Try it, because if you always do it the way you've always done it, it's always going to show up the way you've always shown up. So talk about the importance of trying new things. Oh, I definitely think we should try new things. The, the one thing I'll say is, as far as just speaking and, and hoping it makes sense, is that does not work for everybody. And more of the people will just be kind of talking. And we're, we're all sitting there as the audience thinking, where is this going? <laughs> um, and and the, which is... Well, I'm going to go back to trying new things, but but uh, which which goes back to the whole thing of uh, the Dale Carnegie method, which um, I don't think has held up as well in this this one piece. Love the Dale Carnegie stuff. But when they say, tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them again and then tell them what you told them. My feeling is stories work better for memorability. And I actually do a little quiz on people where I tell them uh, I, the opposite of telling a story is a data dump. You told them all these things, you listed out all these things, and then you told them again, and then you refreshed it. It's like, I don't need the 40 minute lead up of here's what we're going to do. And here's the whole outline. And here's where the bathroom is. It's like, get to it. Um, But getting back to the trying new things, absolutely. Whether it's speaking or otherwise leader, you know, for leadership, if we're not trying new things, it's going to get stagnant and boring and it's not going to be fun for us. It should be fun, by the way. Oh, Jess, is business supposed to be fun? Yeah. Or don't do it. There's a thing, Gary Vaynerchuk, I heard him on a a video on Instagram saying where he said, you know, life's too short to pick something you hate as your job (laughs) and keep doing it. Why would you choose that? You chose it. So we should be having fun. So, you know, as leaders, should we try new things? Yeah. What if we, you know, we read in a book or we went to a conference and we saw some exercise or the standing up thing. Hey, everybody's going to stand up. I once heard this thing that Bloomberg, um, the organization Bloomberg does, and I've asked people and they said they don't really do it anymore, but that they used to take the chairs and push them away and say everyone has to be standing there because the meetings will take half the time right. if everyone's standing. And I guess somebody probably still does. I think try it, try new thing. Why not? Why not try that? See what people, you know, it's, is it nicer to sit there and sip your coffee? Sure. Um, But is it, but would we like to have a meeting that takes half the time? Sure. Let's see. 
you know, do an extra, do a team building exercise, take people outside and do something else. I, I think people will, everyone, the leader and the people being led will be better for it. I think that's actually one of the things that's really good about Toastmasters is if you follow their, their program, you're going to have different types of speeches as you, as you develop. And so you get that different experience, like you were talking about, Jeff. Well, I'm a big fan of Toastmasters. I'm a huge fan. I was, I was in it as a professional speaker and no one could understand why, because <laughs> I was working on different things right. than everybody else. Practice. The only challenge I have it's probably just a single one. It's what you just said, Jess. I don't think that Toastmasters emphasizes the power of storytelling enough mm. because I believe that every speech can be a story. Yeah. It can be storyized. And you said that, Jess. And I'm, I'm curious because you said everybody's a natural storyteller. I agree. But I found a lot of people think they're not. And they think that stories don't. No, I'm here to present information. So talk about, I call it the storyizing <laughs> idea. Yeah. Well, so I do this exercise right before I talk about stories in my workshops where I say, all right, we're going to do a little exercise. I want you to turn to the person next to you and think back to the weekend. And you just saw each other in the morning around the water cooler or wherever, and, or you're Zooming and you say, you know, hey, how was your weekend? And just let the other person talk. And then, you're, you know, and then the, the other person will try, will reverse. And I, that's the only instruction. And what happens is it's not a data dump of I got out of my bed and I put one foot in front of the other. And I went to the bathroom. I grabbed my toothbrush. I put my <laughs> toothpaste on it right. and I moved it to the left and the right. And then I took my cereal bowl and I had the milk, right? They don't go through the whole list like we would on a PowerPoint. Instead, there are always amazing stories of, Oh, my buddy came in from Colorado and, uh, you know, I wanted to, I mean, I'm in New York and I wanted to impress him. And uh, I, I took him to this rooftop bar and um, you always see, you know, that in the, in the cartoons, someone slips on a banana peel and he slept, slept on a banana, like it's a story. Right. And um, so then I stop them and I say, I, who, who had, a, whose partner had an interesting weekend. And then they tell the story back. So, I, I, you know, part of what I'm proving is that it was memorable. And if we attach a message to it, even better. But we, but that's what I to your point, I try to get them to realize that we're natural born storytellers. If we went to dinner, what would we do the whole time? We would just tell story. Oh, you think that's crazy? You know what once happened to me? Oh, that's so crazy. Oh, yeah. I once had this. You know, we if we you know, three of us have similar things that we do. If we went to dinner, we would share what we call war stories, right? <laughs> oh, I once had this client, this crazy thing. Oh, and it's, what did you do? Right? So we talk about like, how were we able to rise to the moment if, you know, some client was like, I don't really want to be here. I don't know why I was signed up for this training. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, you know, we got to get them to care. So, um, yeah, I think we have to. We have to walk people down the path for them to have that aha. That's how I have that. And then I say, you're, an, you're a natural born storyteller. So they say, oh, yeah, I guess I do that at dinner. And I just did it just now. And there's a magic phrase to get people to tell stories. Would you guys like to know what it is? Do it. Here it is. For example, so you're talking. 
Exactly. It's so you're simple. Wait, wait, wait. Storytelling so is simple. simple. <laughs> it's so simple. You're talking and you're explaining how to do something, you know, to people and like you would if you were reading a PowerPoint. And then all of a sudden you just stop and you say, look, for example, we had this thing happen in this company two years ago. You guys remember Phil? Well, Phil doesn't work here anymore because of this thing that happened. And wait until I tell you, know, right? And you're like, whoa, <laughs> come around the campfire. Let's hear it. Don't be like Phil. He screwed it up. Um, and, you know, a, any of those stories. And it doesn't have to be someone being, being fired. Now, think about, you know, combining a couple of things that you just talked about there. You know, if, if you're standing up, if you're having a standing meeting, are you going to pull out your phone? You're going to be a lot more engaged as well. Right. You know, it's, it's like, OK, now it's really obvious. You can't hide it below the table, right? It'd be super rude, right? If I yeah. pull out my phone. And, you know, in the certain businesses, we know that certain important messages might come through and this and that, and we have to find the middle ground, but that's it. We've, we've now made it where it's uncomfortable for people not to pay attention and we can get through the meeting faster, better, smarter, especially if they remember that's one of the goals of business speaking. Um, th there's four levels. I'll tell you quickly. People need to understand what you said. So uh, business jargon not being able to hear people on the microphone, um, being confusing. Most people are fine on that level, but understand. Next is remember. So you tell stories, if you use visuals, it's very memorable. Mm -hmm. Third is action. So if they understood and remembered it, now they can go take action, maybe calls to action. And then the last one is pass on to others. If they did the first three, they're going to be able to turn to a colleague because they remembered what you said, They'll retell a story and they'll say, this is why we need to wear safety hats or helmets, <laughs> I guess they're called. Yeah. Right. Because they told a story about how it fell on, on Bob's head. And and Bob is not that smart now. He's a little uh, <laughs> he's a little <laughs> off these days. It's, <laughs> it's, also, it's also pretty cool, you know, getting back to your point, Jeff, earlier of when you say something, stand up to say it. Well, if you have a stand up meeting, you're automatically getting that experience of standing and speaking as well. I, I'm kind of liking this idea of stand-up meetings. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's just a, such a power to it. Um, and I bring up even when, I, when I'm on a stage, I'll come down off the stage and say, I'm still a couple of feet of higher than you, but now you know, I'm even a few feet higher. And when I talk about them doing it, you know, there's a fear wrapped around that. And I'll say, We've all stood up before, though, right? You're just standing. You're saying the same thing. You're standing, right? And people laugh at, at how ludicrous their, you know, fear mechanisms are that I'm standing. But what if I, oh, I couldn't possibly go on the stage. Oh, you mean stand an extra two feet taller? <laughs> right? And, and, there's this, and I always say there's like a power. Like you don't realize you're giving that up. You're going to stand up there. And the power is that people will pay attention because you've been elevated. So this must be somebody I need to pay attention to. But that's actually the, the problem with a lot of people is they don't want the attention. Like right. my wife, she, she teaches for a living, right? But she does not want to present in front of her colleagues. It's like, huh? <laughs> well, but and, I figured and, out the answer to that from oh, dating yeah. a teacher years ago who was terrified of public speaking. Huh? And we asked a few questions and the answer was pretty obvious. He said, when I'm teaching students, I'm the smartest person in yep. the room. And when I'm not, now I'm at risk. 
because they may know something more. They may not. I'm going to get some judgment about yes. me. It comes yep. back to the same fear of they're going to judge me as not adequate or not knowing enough or something. Wow. Which is crazy and it comes my back, wife is amazing, but you're, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what she would say. It comes back to some piece of the word fear. And, yep. and you guys just drilled it down, which is, oh, I might feel this way or someone might think that it's fear. It's yep. all these angles on fear. And we, we know on this leadership journey that there's something great on the other side of fear when we challenge yep. ourselves. And they're the teachers. They have to realize if you can't do it, <laughs> how are the people who you're teaching going to be able to do it? You need to, like, we have to appeal to, the, to all the various parts of the brain for them to realize, you know what, I have to tackle this. I get it. It's, it's something that we don't do all the time is uncomfortable. And I want to just take on a phrase that some people may have heard of before, which is fake it till you make it. Which the problem, as I, I can see you guys as we're recording this uh, um, on Zoom, and some people might listen to the audio, you're shaking your head like, oh, it's so terrible. Nobody wants to be a fake. Nobody wants to feel like a fake to be able to get better. So I'm going to give you the just phrase, which I think is a step in the right direction. So instead of <laughs> fake it till you make it, it's act it and become it. If you act the part, if you're like, all right, I may get some questions I don't know the answer to. There's some st stuff I do, uh, or I've never delivered this speech or program before, or this is my not my comfort zone. I'm going to at least act the part. And, and in acting the part, you're also being audience-centered. And before you know it, you become it. You know, I used to think this with uh, U.S. presidents. You know, you go in, the, you won this election, you did a whole, this whole journey, and you sit down at that desk and there's got to be the moment of oh my god i can't believe what it's me you know everyone think you know there's got to be a moment of i can't believe that i, I hope i do this right and yeah. then if you watch them after a little while then there's usually kind of like a swagger in their walk like i got that. i know what i'm doing you know i've done that yeah. and we've all had some version of that experience you know wh whether it's uh, parenting or a leadership role at work or you name it um, we were like, I don't know if I can do it. And then you act the part or you start to figure it out and then you can become it. So one of the things that you talked about was Boy Scouts. And we had a little bit of offline discussion about that. I, I think the Boy Scouts, or let's call it Scouts now, um, is, is an amazing organization. I was involved in it at three different levels. You know, Tell us a little bit about how that works as far as leadership development for both the kids and the adults. Yeah. And recently the Boy Scouts, uh, it was after a lawsuit, changed their name to Scouts BSA. So it's Scouts that's inclusive of females because it's a different type of leadership program than the Girl Scouts. Uh, and it's the only one that can earn that eagle level and really go out camping and and push a different type of skills. So there's a certain type of female who also uh, joins. And by the way, they join because they want to be there. <laughs> and those girls are amazing. I've seen them and they can run circles around some of the little ragtag, you know, 11 year olds. It's it good. You know, the, they join when they're 11. That's when kids enter the, the uh, scouts and then they uh, age out at 18. Um, and it's a leadership program. And I never really realized, I mean, I thought it was a good thing um, below that, the Cub Scouts is, is, I guess, when you're about six years old to 11, it's kind of just, you know, readying them and storing things. But 
I never realized what an amazing leadership program Scouts is. Um, And there's all different ways for, for people to get involved. But what, when I think about leadership, because, you know, I'm going to, I have a kid who's going through the program and is in it for, um, you know, six, seven, eight years longer, really, if he started at six, which he did. So, um, so, you know, you're talking about more than a decade. Um, It's being able to consistently add new layers, constantly think about um, leadership on the Boy Scout level or Scouts, as they call it now, um, they have to take leadership positions. Then it's like something could just happen. But anyway, the question is about Boy Scouts. Uh, I, I think, yeah, getting kids started in an early level and there's some leadership opportunities in sports. And I was involved with sports, but not everybody gets to take, you know, one kid is the team captain. Right. The nice thing about uh, Scouts and, and, you know, people who have Kids, just think about what you can get your kids involved with. It gives them an opportunity to consistently keep trying out leadership roles. And guess what? I said earlier, we're flawed human beings. We might as well find that out when we're young and just keep making mistakes and get better. And here's a, a thing for everyone listening. If you make a mistake in front of people, that's your moment to shine. Yes. It's your, everyone wants to see. What are you going to do? Yep. Whether it's in a speaking moment or a leadership moment, something didn't go well. How are you going to write that ship? And guess what? When you do it, because you have to, people are going to think you're amazing. So don't fear <laughs> the mistakes. Be like kids who play video games and have to learn from their mistakes. They have to fail over and over and over and over and over to be amazing at something. That's why they play for 19 hours at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a great point that's when you make a mistake and you you fess up to it and you say, boy, that was a boneheaded thing that I just did. You know, it's it can provide some levity, but then they also say, wow, OK, this guy is genuine. This person's genuine. Um, and you can look at that. Um, there, there are a couple of things that you were talking about there. One one is the Boy Scouts. And I always thought, you know, hey, this is just life skills. But hey, isn't leadership life skills? I mean, <laughs> big time. But then, yeah, I'm also curious about how you're working with your wife in the business, you know, is that, how, how does that work for you as well? Um, we have set up, uh, especially during uh, COVID, uh, we've set up on opposite sides of the house. <laughs> um, I did set up a little desk in the same room as me, but it uh, turns out that it's smart to not be on top of uh, the same person all day long. And then at lunchtime at night, so now at lunchtime, we're happy. Anyway, that it's some good. of it, I mean, I'm, I'm being cute about it, um, but there's some, some truth to if you're going to work with a family member or a spouse, you have to f- find out, you, you just can't be on top of somebody 24-7, yeah. um, or you're going to need a break from them during free time. That's no good. So at least now in the evening, we're happy to see each other, um, it, it, you know, even though we'll, we'll, well, she'll, she'll call me or she'll email me during the day from what is basically, you know, 60 feet away. Um, but it, it's, uh, I mean, I love working with her. Um, she's amazing in her own right. Uh, she stopped to raise kids. Um, you know, it pushes me on my own leadership skills because there's somebody who's willing to be brutally honest about anything. <laughs> you know, like you probably shouldn't have said that because of this. And it's like, mm, cold water in, in the face. Um, Mm, you're probably right. I should, I should listen. So, um, 
Yeah. So it's not necessarily for everybody. Some people are like, oh, that'll, you know, that, that, that'll be a bad idea. And maybe, and that's probably the case for some folks, but um, we've, um, I, I mean, I've been doing this, all, this whole thing for 17 years and she's joined in the last say three years and always done a few things behind the scenes. Um, but as the kids got older, it's, um, it's nice. And, you know, for someone who cares about leadership, I have to let her take the lead on things, even though I've been doing this longer. Um, and, you know, if you've been the main person in a small business, you get to make every decision. It's a, tra- a transition to, you know, yeah, yeah. include other thoughts and opinions properly. Um, but we got to do it if we're going to be good leaders. And sometimes there's often there's something good on the other side of the hill. When, when we think about that fear, one of the things that we can do is prepare our children to not have that fear. Um, there was, I don't know how I came up with it, but while I was out hiking with my boys, I saw a stump. I thought, oh, stump, stump speech. Oh, okay. So what we're going to do is you got to get up on the stump. We'll give you a topic. You have a minute to prepare, a minute to present, and a minute for, for discussion about how you did. And they did not want to get up there. So I made, made my older son do it. He got up there. And then after that, oh, there's a stump, my turn. And now my, my oldest son, he, he speaks you know, regularly in front of our large audiences. My other son has no fear of public speaking. That's, it's just one of those things. Now, I also took them to public speaking training with one of my friends who does that. And those are the types of things, if we can get our children early on, it eliminates that fear as they get older. I was petrified in high school when I got up to, to do something. Then I took the Dale Carnegie course, totally changed my life. Right. Yeah. And there's amazing things there. And I think as leaders, whether we're the leader of our own family or we're yes. a leader at work, we need to take moments like that. Think about it. If you had a boss who said, uh, you know, look, there's a stump. I don't know if there'd be a stump indoors, but you know, <laughs> right. yeah. You know, go up there. You're going to go up for two minutes. You're going to listen because your boss just told you to do it. Right. And you're probably going to be better for it. And you're going to look back and say, wow, that was an amazing moment. I'm sure your kids will as well. And they'll go do it to their kids. My dad did it. What what is this about? And next thing you know, you know, their kids are doing it. Um, And I think we need to find little moments like that to keep challenging other people. And, you know, to the point of the teachers, a lot of teachers, I think I notice on on back to school night when the, when the uh, adults come, the parents come, that they seem to be really a, n- a little bit nervous. Um, I think we all have to challenge ourselves as leaders constantly and say, I need to, how do I continue to up my, my own game? If not for me, which it should be also, but for those that I serve and, and everybody wins. Yep. So Jeff, such an awesome conversation. So not only relevant, but important today. Yeah. for leaders uh, to tap into the, the, their persuasiveness, their storytelling, their confidence. I mean, every element of the discussion today was about leadership. So we always like to ask our guests this question, what in particular uh, you want to highlight or promote that's going on for you and your business? Um, I like to go the opposite direction of being overly promotional and say that um, Crest Whitening Toothpaste <laughs> is um, uh, delightful because it has baking soda in it and, uh, and people compliment you on your teeth. Um, but having said that, 
the uh, if people go to book Jess, B O O K Jess J E S S my name dot com, it's got links. When I do a podcast, I'll bring that up. Um, don't feel obligated that you have to hire me, although it's a much better experience if you do. Um, but <laughs> there's some free stuff there. Uh, and and some links to, you know, the media side of what I'm doing, the public speaking side and some download. You get a free download of one of the books, at least one. I try to update it uh, periodically, but that's a nice place that they can go. Um, but my real appeal for everybody is to take action on some of the things that you heard today. So I said those are the levels of a great communicator. I'm asking people take action, either act it and become it. Tell stories. Go stand up somewhere. See yourself as a leader. Maybe you, if you do have kids, um, get, go make them stand on a stump or create a, a fake stump that, um, that they won't fall off of and get hurt <laughs> like a bucket and they fall off. Um, or do it at work. Find reasons to follow through on these things. That is wonderful. And so you mentioned book, Jess. Is that the best way for people to connect with you as well? Yes, that's the best way. My last name is, is Todd Feld. It's got a silent T in it. It's hard to, uh, people probably can Google the wrong version. The only, ver <laughs> the only uh, thing that the T ever uh, did for us was to uh, bother my wife on the day we got married. But that's the only thing it ever did. So, uh, so well, we just it served a worthy purpose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we always like to wrap up with a question or two, Jess. So give us that one piece of leadership wisdom for our listeners so i'm going to take the three words that uh are on my mother my grandmother's tombstone and it's rest in peace no it's it's uh it's not that it's uh always be learning oh yeah totally and she said it was going to be on there and it is and it's always be learning mm. and if we're not learning, we're, we're dying. If we're not getting better, we're getting worse. And, you know, we'll see examples of that. You know, the person who's, you know, 95 and they're taking, you know, guitar class. You're like, really? You're like, yeah, I never got to take, learn the guitar. And we're like, how's it going? I know a bunch of chords that can play songs now. You know, I was like, wow, holy cow. And, um, and, you know, I'm always impressed when I, you know, you see somebody learning something when, you think they don't have to. So people who are leaders feel like, oh, I, you know, I know something, you know, always be learning. And I'll say this, uh, uh, Brian Tracy, the business writer and speaker and guru, uh, who's an interesting guy. He says that the average person doesn't read one book a year. What? Related, related oh. to their, what they do. Wow. Well, I would say lots of people don't read a book a year, but um, related to what they do. So if it's leadership, they're not reading a leadership book. If it's, you know, about manufacturing, it's they're not reading something related to, you know, how to make themselves better in what they do and how they serve people. So I'll slide in there. Also go, go read one book to make yourself better at what you do. Awesome. awesome Jess. Well, Jess, thanks for being with us. Thanks for bringing your messaging and your wisdom and your humor. It's always appreciated. And most important, thanks for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you, gentlemen, for leading. All right. Thanks.
If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.